calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome back, adventure fans, to the League of Ultimate Questing. My name's Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. And with me in the booth is the durable and dauntless storm-clad Thundertongue. What is shaking, KK? Today, we're very excited to bring you a first-hand display of the newest update to the LUQ monitor capabilities. Here, we have a quick melee skirmish involving the novice-ranked team Elden Betrayal in high resolution. the new maximum slow motion frame by frame. So you know this is a pretty classic back alley skirmish. These guys have a hostage, blades out, and the betrayal has to dive in both feet. Right off the bat, the team tank jukes left and draws some attention while the party ranger covers right with long distance carnage. Team healers staying back doing what we call a control hold, waiting for a trigger to unleash some crazy god magic. Well, their front man is taking them down left and right with some fancy sword play. But you can see here this guy is coming up on his flank and cracks him right in the guts with a two-handed club. Well, let's zoom in here. A little more. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right there. None of that face anywhere. Team Tank just took a blow to the belly and crapped his tassets. That's the way of war sometimes. Thankfully that healer's ready with a nice ranged healing, which will fix the bruises, but it's gonna take some elbow grease to clean those stains. We're so close, I feel like I'm right there on the battlefield with them. Huh? Nah, nah, Kip. This is cool and all, but there's no mistake in the feeling of combat. No offense, but in a scrap like this, you'd be a pincushion. Now in this situation, I'd come in from right over here. Right in these shadows in the back. And get this guy's poison knife out of his hand. Get his arm behind his back and wade him with a living shield. Stab this cat in the thigh and then take him to the ground. Then toss that blade over to the sneaky worm on the left. <sighs> Sometimes I wonder why I retired. Well, I'm glad you're here with me, big guy, to entertain the audience and give first-hand experience commentary on the daily action and adventure we bring to the homes of devoted fans worldwide. I know, kid. And the pay's great. And it's nice not having your giblets snacked on by an extra-dimensional creature every 45 minutes. Uh, sometimes I just miss the feeling of a blade, though. Well, I know just what'll cheer you up. The Mortal Dawn just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with a massive, deadly mechanical scarecrow. Shall we check in on the aftermath? Yeah, that sounds pretty good, actually. That thing went down like a sack of maces. Then wait no longer, Storm. It's time for adventure!
Mortal Dawn finds themselves in the belly of a metal underground stronghold underneath an abandoned farmhouse outside the metropolis of Anmar, tracking down some stolen machinery. Along the way, at some point, they lost track of their beloved monitor, Reginald 419, and before them is a heavy metal door leading onward into the underground stronghold. I promised we would keep him safe. I'm going to use the Staff of the Witness to cast Sea Invisibility. Um, it only takes one charge, so it's definitely regained that. So I can see invisibility and maybe run back to the shaft and just make sure that Reginald's not magneted and deactivated, stuck to the elevator. Uh, you don't see anything inside the shaft. Okay. This is their base. If they've got him, they'll take him deeper in. There must be another way in. Mm-hmm. We have to press on. I'm just confused. How could they have gotten him? Maybe he just can't enter here. It could have been while we were distracted fighting the garden monster. It could mm. have been when we were trying to take a rest. It could have been on our way down. Oh, yes. There's so many opportunities and we weren't paying attention. I'm not sure when the last time we actually heard Reginald speak was. All this time I was helping everyone keep safe with the buddy system. I never gave him a buddy. I don't blame you. I don't think any of us consider just how important this was. But every second that we spend here lamenting our choices... It's time wasted and time that they could be hurting him. So, agreed. I let's look, go. I look down at my bracelet. Mm-hmm. Is it blinking? Are we off monitor right now? You guys are still in a safe area. Okay. You're not in an unknown region. Okay. But you're not being recorded. Okay. I'll press on forward. All right. Uh, the door land like rests heavily before you. Uh, it has two large hand grips, but it looks heavy. Uh, you can give it the shot? <clears throat> yeah, is it too hard to do without like a check? Roll me an athletics check, please. Okay. One. That's only 11. 11 is enough. Oh. You manage to, it takes a minute, and you realize that this door is somewhat controlled by magnets. So you have to kind of hold it open for your allies long enough for them to pass through, and then it'll slam shut behind you. And as you step in, you enter a much larger room, and the lights immediately kick on one at a time revealing what looks like a series of heavy iron uh, desks and workbenches. Hanging from the ceiling, there are large hooks and chains that have pieces of machinery dangling from them. Some of them look like mechanical limbs. Some of them look like large sets of blades from the front of tractors. Some of them look like just huge sheets of metal with hundreds of holes drilled through them. And there are parts and sparking bits spread out amongst the tables. So the invisibility lasts for one hour, so cool. for the next hour, if something's invisible, I'll be able to see it. Good to know. Well, um, am I feeling any anything else? I know Reginald's missing. I, I feel everyone's magic. Am I feeling anything else in this room? Nothing in here. There's a lot of energy coming off some of these things. You're pretty sure some of these might be either power cells or some sort of arcane battery, but uh, they're completely unconnected. What means of egress do we have? Uh, it looks like there is another large exit with a similar door to what you just came through on the far side of the workshop. Hmm. Are there any drag marks on the floor, the metal floor, like from scratches of metal being dragged across metal? Doesn't look like it, no. Okay. Let, let, let's say we do a quick search here and see what we can find, and if there's nothing, move on. Sure. Uh, investigation. <clears throat> Sounds good. No. Ooh. Natural 20. Ooh. I've got a 10 total. Eight. There is a hodgepodge of countless types of machine bits, a lot of which look like they're from either constructs or heavy vehicles of some kind. And you notice on one of the tables there are a few pieces that look, I'll say familiar, um, in that they look like rings and small four-fingered hands that are similar to those of the monitors. Oh, we need to get moving. Hmm, these might be some of the pieces we're supposed to recover. Uh, Say grab whatever we need. 
Uh, Arvid, do you think you can carry things? That's um, what you guys used me for, so yeah, I can. <laughs> and more. And as you're uh, looking over these things, you look over uh, one of these like glass domes, and this little eye just rolls around to stare at you for a brief second. Ooh. Shatter it <laughs> with my dagger and just grab the eye. Sure. What if that was a friend eye? It's for you. We're going to bring it with us. Okay. I've got an eye. Yeah, it just looks like a little tiny red lens that's kind of focused through a long black cylinder. So basically we'll grab anything that looks like it belongs to luck and okay. throw it in. There's quite a bit. Some of the larger pieces look like they're probably from some very fine sort of vehicle. Whatever we can get our hands on. Absolutely. And so you are weighed down by quite a bit of metal stuff and the next door lies before you. Do we want to just accumulate these and come back for them later? Do you think we might not be able to get back in this room? Maybe. I'm simply concerned that if we leave it here, that this room might not be available. And if that happens... We don't know what happens next. Yeah. Um, I know we usually figure it out on the fly, but um, our plan, uh, we're not just going to make sure it's safe here and then alert the League that we've found the spot, or um, we're, we're literally trying to bring these objects back to the League. My concern right now is Reginald 419. Yes, of course. Of course. We cannot simply leave this and, and hope that they come back in time for them not to have escaped and taken everything with them. Okay. Hmm. All right. Uh, do you do the same thing with the door? Yep. All right. You slide it open. I'll allow you to carry over your last roll now that you've kind of figured out the fulcrum effect of how to push it. And you enter a very large workshop. The lights are now on the ceiling as opposed to on the walls as the ceiling is much higher than the previous room. And you immediately hear the sounds of engines just running. Uh, there is the heat of a furnace burning and two large pools of what look like molten metal uh, just roiling in the center of the room. There's a huge metal grate next to uh, two doors on each side, similar to the ones you just came through. And there at a long uh, work desk, there are a pair of figures wearing robes and it looks like full plate armor, just kind of hunched over with little sparks shooting out as they're working on some kind of project. And as the door slides open, they kind of just lift their heads up and begin to turn around. Bring my shield to bear and put my hand on my crossbow. Okay. And as they turn, you see what looks like two uh, tall humanoid figures with helms that cover their entire face with little eye holes cut into them and slits down where the mouths would be. And they look at you and they reach down at the table and both pick up what look like uh, blades. As, I, as soon as they reach for them, I'm going to point my crossbow at them. Stop! They don't seem to slow their great reach for the weapons. So much for that. Uh, I'm going to just, as before things get moving, I'm going to kind of spread out and move away from the crowd a bit. I, I would like, can I ready a shatter? Yeah, of course. I'm going to ready a shatter. I assume there were no weapons in the room we just searched, right? Correct. Okay. Save for like giant, I mean, things that could be used as weapons, but right. nothing that was built. Colossal. Yeah. Very much so. I'm going to ready a shatter, but does anyone think that they might be like receptive to talking? I doubt it. Okay. Well, I think we scatter when they grab for reach for yeah. weapons. Yeah. All well, right. scatter and, and yeah. I mean, I'm still calling out like stop, don't. Of course. Know. Yes. And one of them just slams his hand into the wall, into an indented button. And one of the two doors slides open. And a series of figures begin to mill in short, some of them perfectly spherical with little tiny spindly legs that march up and down. Come some of them square shaped with big central eyes. And then we'll roll initiative. <laughs> There's a big pool of molten metal. I'm putting somebody in it. Oh, balls. Is there? Uh, yeah, he said there were two. He said there were yeah. two big pools of molten metal. Okay. Yes. Uh, let's start with Chris. 19. Artyom? 13. Arvid? 11. Artifacts? 4. No matter what, don't let any harm come to the Modrons or Duodrons. So the Mortal Dawn spreads out as these two 
armored figures slam a button in the wall opening it and the modrons and duodrons begin to step in with weapons at the bear the furnace is pumping out molten metal into these two huge basins and tension fills the room as Christ has a held action I'll do what I can um, am, am I allowed to use a bonus action before that ready direction no okay alright then I just release a shatter I'm going to release a subtle silent screaming shatter mm. on the two humans okay because I saw that uh, magic resistance earlier I figure there's more very good. I'm going to make two con saves versus your shatter. And they're covered in metal, right? So they, they get completely covered in metal. So they get disadvantage. Uh, they are constructs. So yes, they have disadvantage. Okay. And I'm also using the bind of the baneful, just the normal extra two damage okay. on the three D8s that I will be rolling. Well, uh, one of them, nope, they both fail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Look at their save bonus real quick. 14. All right. So despite the fact that there is a sort of cloud of energy that explodes in the corner and machine parts go flying off the table they were working on and both of them get kind of slammed against the wall for just a moment. Uh, there's very little sound other than the fact that they impact the wall and pieces of what they were working on scatter in every direction. <clears throat> and now it is your turn proper. It is my turn proper. I just, I was ready my crossbow shot. Oh, sure. I mean, you can take a pop shot. Uh, how's a 13 taste? Uh, 13. Uh, they, they didn't even move when you pointed the crossbow at them, and as you fired, it just kind of sticks into it, mm. and it just sort of looks down at the bolt. Uh, is that immunity? No, but okay. very heavy armor. Gotcha. Yes. Um, I believe uh, I'm listening intently to what Artem said in, mm -hmm. about the Modrons. So uh, I'm looking up the distance of Hypnotic Pattern, mm -hmm. and if it is uh, so, then I will be casting that on the Modron crowd. Uh, you have enough knowledge of Arcana that you don't think this kind of... Sent, like sentience of creature would be affected by that kind of illusion magic so it'll save you the trouble oh thank you very much um at which case uh i think i should just i'm gonna reverberate mm -hmm. just let off another shatter cool. on, the, on the two people again same guys same guys sweet two fails okay and that's a different turn so i can use the ring again so it'll be yeah. plus two so that's an eight Ooh. and a one Nine. And a six. Okay, 15 plus two. Plus two plus four. Oh, from reverberation. Yes. Mm -hmm. So 21 to each of them. Hot or air. actually, uh, is it too late to say that I want to also use the sacrificial smite? Oh, you just, it works like a paladin smite. Okay, then yes, yes. you can add it onto this damage now. All right, I guess I'm going to add another 3d8 for some reason. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Fuck. And it's the same yeah. type of damage, too. Yeah, but I'll take that damage, too. Yeah. So this could end up real bad, but I'm pissed. Sure. And I want Reginald to be okay. So an extra one, eight, five. Oh, nice right. averages. <laughs> it really is. So, so 14. I, they, yep. And then I also take Jesus the Christ. Do you, do you resist thunder when you're reverberating or anything? I don't believe no. so. I, no. So you obliterate this corner of the room. Those two are still standing, but now their robes are completely exploded off of them. And you see two very tall mechanoid humanoids. Uh, every part of them is mechanical. Um, and they look incredibly damaged, but they're not humans in armor. These are full-on constructs. Oh. Oh, no. Which will make it their turn. Um, okay, they were going to wait a second to pull out any huge trump cards, but Chris literally just dropped like 40 damage on each of them. <laughs> oh, I did? And that's a big deal. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the first thing that's going to happen is the Modrons and the Duodrons are going to 
fly forward on their little baby wings, or the ones that can fly, and they're just going to double move, soaring over this pit of molten metal to get, engage with both Harithax and Arvid with their little mechanical spears out in front of them. And the duo drones just kind of step between the two pools of magma, and they take their spears and hurl them. And it looks like when they throw them, uh, they just kind of leave a shaft that's in their hand, and as they recoil their hand, another blade just kind of goes and pops out in its place. (laughs) So these are going to be one at Crist and one at Artyom, starting off. Coming at Crist with a 12. Which misses. Okay. Warding flare. At yourself, okay. Yep. Disadvantage on this roll. And the six, yeah, that's a miss as well. Um, so you throw it and some of the like light from the magma just like bursts upward and blinds this thing for a second. And you know these things usually have like glowing red eyes when they work for like the OUQ. These ones just kind of have like dull, muted, milky white eyes. Uh, and the last one is going to throw his spear at Arvid because he's right there. Shitty, all across the board. Just <laughs> ass, ass, ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this one is going to dash forward. Looks like he took quite a bit of damage from those shatters. I don't think he has any ranged attacks. Oh, he do- totally has a ranged attack. That's awesome. Um, and this one's going to run over to this door. No. <laughs> uh, so as this guy charges forward, he has this weird blade in one hand that looks like it's built into his arm. And the edge of the blade is just kind of like crackling with a little bit of energy. But his other hand, he holds it up and the wrist seems to pop outward. And this heavy crossbow just sort of explodes from his wrist. <laughs> And his middle finger sticks out <laughs> and <laughs> shoots out at you. Uh, so at me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's just coming straight this way. Um, Morning Flare. <laughs> cool. Oh, I think you'll get one reaction per turn. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I was waiting for Rocket Fist. Just... <laughs> <laughs> that would be goofy, like yeah. fucking Chrono Trigger. Just... Yeah. <laughs> How good are you with your wrist crossbow? Me, nothing. <laughs> nothing. That sounds dirty. No, that's a 14. <laughs> so that's a miss as it just like embeds into the metal next to you like with a huge amount of impact and you hear this kind of voice echo out from inside of it that sounds a lot like grinding metal that just says we have to stop them and speaking of Artyom it's your turn so first I'm going to throw a quick glance and see if there's like a control console or something like there that might work on these modrones and uh, duo drones mm. uh, the thing that looks closest to a control panel is a lever that this one is currently messing with um, it doesn't look like there's any other kind of stations for that kind of stuff. Gotcha. 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 The machinery they pushed the button on has been destroyed by the shatter spells at this point, exploded, right? Exploded, yes. And the Modrons don't react to that at all. Okay. Hmm. This is a tricksy situation. If it's okay with you, I can bring you with me. Duh. I thunderstep, so. Gotcha. Um, so if I ready an action, that's just ready's that action. I can still do another thing, right? So I could like move and then ready an action. You can move and then ready an action, but it locks you into that action until your next turn. But it means at any point you could drop that action outside of your turn. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, In that case, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, shit, because I don't want to ready an... I I can't decide if I want to ready an entangle or ready something to spank the hell out of that dipshit. Um, I'm going to ready a good spanking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do... Because poison damage won't work shit for for shit on him. So I'm going to go ahead and do a Scorching Ray. So I'm going to ready a Scorching Ray and then go up to him. To this guy? Uh, to Crist. Um, all right. So you take a step towards Crist and hold a Scorching Ray in your hand. That brings us to Arvid. Me? How big are the Modrons? Those ones are pretty short. They're like three and a half feet tall, four with their wings. They're little guys. Pop Rager. 
yeah, just rage, rage and, and axe swinging. Pretty good. <clears throat> She's raging against the machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you waiting for that uh, no, this it, whole time? It, it occurred to me and I had to say it. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Good. That's fair. Let's see the rolls. <laughs> All right. You're going to reckless or you're just going normies? Um, I'm not going to reckless because I, I guess I'm seeing them and I'm thinking of them as being pitiful. Mm-hmm. Like they seem mm-hmm. very cute and small and like little guys. So I'm not going to reckless just yet. Um, that makes sense to me. That's a uh, 20. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's 10. So 16 slashing damage to this little Modron. And you effectively are trying to just knock it out, like incapacitate it. Mm-hmm. All right. So you deliver a heavy blow kind of concaving its head in a little bit and you see some sparks shoot out of what would be its ears had it any and its eye kind of spins around for a second and it just tips over oh it's done i don't think i need to use uh, such a strong attack against them in the future <laughs> well i mean you dealt it enough to do that but it was close okay close for sure um would you like to move or stay where you are i would like to get in these guys' business, the the the, <laughs> the quadrons, um, I'd like to yeah get get their attention, and I would also like Morty to come with me. And if he can attack one, then he should. I'm telling him that. Come on, Morty. He doesn't have the speed quite to make it to one unless okay. you send him at the one on Herifax. Okay, he's just right on your tail, like ready to pounce on anything at your command. And that brings us to Herifax. Okay. Um, I still have see invisibility up. There are no quadrons that came in here when the rest of them entered, right? I don't see see invisible. Okay. Uh, I'm going to move past this modron that's in base to base with me. Yeah, it'll probably try and stab me on the way. Mm -hmm. I'm not overly concerned. I may regret that. These modrons are rolling fucking shitty. (laughs) Oh, no. I got a 13. (laughs) I just kind of deflected out of the way with my hand. Stop (laughs) it. Yeah. (laughs) Stop. You You don't want to do that. Yeah, the, my hand. That's why it's singular. I only have the one. Uh, and then I'm close enough to the guy by the lever. I would like him to make a wisdom save. Okay. I'm going to use mind spike on him. I'm going to try and just psychic feedback okay. him. Uh, what kind of damage is that deal? Um, psychic. Cool. Psychic damage. Yeah. <clears throat> I got an 18. I be- I'm pretty sure 18 passes. I think my spell save is 17. So he takes half damage still. 17 halved to eight. eight. All right. <clears throat> well, unfortunately, this exact stat block is immune to psychic damage. Okay. Um, so it resonates and you see like sparks fly out of its head, but it just seems to like rotate its head like an owl almost backwards to stare at you. It's like magic user. Herithax <laughs> uh, will be like, they, you can't hurt them with psychic damage. <laughs> they don't have brains. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I wasn't planning on it. They have, they have mechanical minds. <laughs> uh, that is Chris's turn. Am I? Am I? Do I need to grab him and run, or like? No, you grab him and then teleport to wherever you want to go. All right, all right. I just take RTM with me, and we we thunderstep away to the dude about to hit the lever. Do you want to be adjacent to him or just very close to him? Um, I want us to ideally, if we could just flank him, like whatever it would take to stop him from hitting that lever. Sure, sure. So. At the end of Herithax's turn, I cast Shillelagh as a bonus action. Understood. Is that a good spot, or do you want to relocate those? They have to be adjacent, obviously. Um, is, is that good for you? Works for me. All right, then, yeah, we're good. So the first thing that happens when you appear, I mean, you grab Artyom by the sleeve of his red jacket, and then there's a thunderous energy that resonates and echoes throughout all of these metal walls and floor. Um, the pools of magma sort of bubble and shift, and then there's a sparkling energy as you materialize right next to this thing. 
and Artyom triggers his held action first thing. I actually think I'm just going to d- dump it all right on him. Okay, you are adjacent now, which means the range attack will have disadvantage. Is that how so, I didn't know that was the case. In that case, can we choose a different location? The only, and I'm only allowing it because you guys specifically took episode time to plan magical strategies together. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I feel rewarded for things. Oh. So I'm going to unload on that <clears throat> dumb butt. Sounds good. We got a 15. That does not hit. Okay. Shit. Full plate. We got a 25. Yes, very much so. And a not. Definitely not. It's a two and plus. Gotcha. Um, so one hit. Still, mm. still a great sword's worth of damage. Yeah. That is uh, f- three, four plus wisdom. So, yeah, ten. Uh, you don't add wisdom to Scorching Ray. Um, what do you add? Just the 2d6 for three. Oh, golly. Still seven fire damage right to his back. And you see, like, the plates on the back of his body where they kind of interlock start to, like, melt and fuse together. Um, and it seems to be causing him quite a bit of pain. Very good. Um, that will make it their turn. Uh, the guys right here are all just going to surround Arvid and just try to mess him right up. <laughs> Fully messed. Um, so what they're going to do is all work together and be shoulder to shoulder and just push you as hard as they can. <gasps> so I need you to make me three athletics check versus three pushed attempts. Ooh. You got the rage going, right? Yeah, you have advantage on this because you are in a barbarian rage. Uh... Number one, I rolled a one and a four, which is pretty funny. So that's like nine, oh, okay. ten, right? Six. Ten. No, ten. Uh, Twenty. Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, there, that was a four, but also a 14. So that one's uh, the like. 22? I don't know. 22, something like that. I've lost track of what your bonus is at this point. No, it was eight. The other one was 18 and this one was 20. Okay. okay, so one was 18. Uh, so the good news is you made two of them. The bad news is you failed the first one. So the one in the center shoulders into you and pushes you five feet, which just means now you're, the back of your heels are literally tilting over the edge of this po- boiling pool of molten metal. Scary. Spooked off. Um, this dude is going to run back and try to give our team the middle <laughs> finger again. <laughs> Warding flare. Okay. That's my last one. Sure. Yeah, you whip around just in time to flare him in the face before he gets his shot. That is uh, a very good roll and a very bad roll. So he misses. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I had to build a little tension there. And the one behind Hyrothax is just going to kind of scuttle its little spindly legs and try to stab you in the butt. Dude, dude, dude. Doink. These fucking Moldrons are rolling so bad. <laughs> anyway, at the end of their turn, uh, the one in front of you slams his elbow down on top of this lever and says, It's time to test Project Beta. And his head is still facing this direction, so he's staring Chris dead in the eyes, and he's going to attempt a sword attack on you with his other hand. Ooh, that's actually a hit. A uh, 22? I'm going to use a bit of luck. Or do I have to do that first? No, you can do that. Yeah, okay. I always forget you can do that with luck because you do it so rarely. Yeah, because I forget it exists. Uh, that is a 16. Which misses. Oh, hell yeah. Nice. Very good. Um, as the huge mechanical doors slide open, as a massive six-legged mechanoid insect enters the room with seven giant scything blades on its back, looks like they could tear through solid stone as some kind of giant digging device and ready to kill anything in its path. <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome back to the booth. We've got a very special guest with us today. Up-and-coming champion-ranked team captain of the Fatal Hush, Balmac Tarn. Hey, guys. Uh, super cool to be here. Now, Balmac, you're one of the only sorceress team leaders we have on any of the teams here in the LUQ. It usually falls on one of the more martial or militaristic members. So what's your approach to leading your team into danger? Oh, for sure, man. I'm like uh, one of the chosen ones for a powerful astral conjunction, see? So it doesn't really matter what choices I make. We're all just kind of like little toys on the endless floor for higher powers, my guy. My team can do whatever they like. I usually just close my eyes and let the good vibes take over. You... you close your eyes? Now, if you're not leading the team, uh, how do you stay organized? Like I said, man, we just go with the flow. Roll the bones and let fate work out the rest. How, how in the hell did an apathetic little snot like you make team captain? In fairness, Storm, the Fatal Hush got high marks in the Grand Proving over four years ago, and has an almost perfect quest record, so whatever strategy they're using, it seems to be working. Thanks, man. This guy really gets me. We're just like dandelion puffs dancing on the breeze. There's no need to fight it. You're comparing fighting bad guys to what? Weeds? Flowers? This is life and death, not some game. Well, I guess it is kind of a game, but it's serious business. Your team depends on you, and you're just treating them like dice on a game board. My guy, you're so full of fear and tension. You should do what I do. Just step outside of yourself. Take a walk among the stars. Let your spirit and body part ways and drink in the sweet ether of the cosmos. Why? Why do we get just the worst guests to come talk to us? My record for jackasses is spotless. You're gonna need to cut back to the teams before I tear this clown's ears off and toss him like dandelion puffs on the breeze. Uh, roger that, pal. But first, why don't we enjoy these words from our sponsors? You're out for a picnic with your party, and the last thing you want is nasty vermin infesting your lighthearted lunch. Sturge in particular are aggressive this time of year. They travel in swarms of 5 to 20, and their 3-inch stingers can drain up to 1d4 plus 3 hit points per round. No thanks. That's when you reach for Sturge Dirge. It doesn't just keep Sturges away, it kills their asses dead in seconds and makes them regret ever thinking about turning playable races into prey. First, Sturge Dirge fills their tiny stupid lungs with deadly nightshade vapors, paralyzing them and suffocating them in what must feel like years of grueling agony. Next, it causes their body to convulse and sizzle for up to an hour after death, warning all nearby Sturges that you mean business. And your business is torturing Sturges. And business is good. After that, Sturge Dirge causes the lifeless husk of the heartless Sturge to emit a foul-smelling odor, detectable only by other Sturges, which inhibits their mating instincts, helping to thin their numbers for future generations. Lastly, Sturge Dirge reaches across the veil of reality to pluck the soul of the dead Sturge from their wicked blood-filled afterlife, leaving them as a tormented ghost to haunt the hives of other Sturges. Don't let pests ruin your picnic. Get Sturge Dirge today! Do not spray Sturge Dirge on your friends or family. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. 
The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, all you cuties. La here to pick up the mop and duster and take care of the house cleaning while Zach's in Japan. Uh, so this week, I took care of editing the episode and uploading it. So if anything sounds off or doesn't show up in the right places, that's kind of on me. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time to invest, and that's not really a good excuse. But just so you know, my fault. Uh, anyway, we wanted to remind you all that Mom and Dad love you very much. That is to say, me and Zach, and of course the rest of the Slapdash team. Your appreciation for our work and your ongoing support has, without any doubt or any exaggeration, been the entire reason we have kept doing this. But you know the drill. We have to keep moving up if we want to keep this momentum and maintain the ability to devote big hunks of our lives to this fantastic, fun project. So please, I mean, if you want us to keep going, just do what you can. Uh, If you want to give us a holiday present, maybe become a patron. You can get access to a bunch of great bonus content and assets that any DM would love to use in their game. Give your friends a gift of a new show to listen to while they drive or study or construct replica hotels inside of Sobe Life water bottles, whatever they're into. And a huge thank you and the highest of fives to our current patrons. You guys are amazing. And of course, the divine trinity of Jeff Ammons, Dave Mladenoff, and Isaac Davies, our legendary tier patrons. I smooch your face. I love you so much. Uh, Lastly, Level Up Dice has started this Diceomancy project where a bunch of streams and podcasts and D&D content creators all promote their new stuff and work together to help each other out. Uh, So if you click the links for us, we can get rewards, which may in turn go back to you, the listener, in the form of prizes or things to help us make more episodes. We don't really have a good read out loud link yet because they didn't supply us with one, but uh, we have a button on the description of the episode on the website. So if you want to go over there and click it, That would be great. Um, They're actually a really cool company, so please check them out. They have beautiful gemstone dice, just awesome products, and they're super nice. Uh, We're just kind of testing the waters with all this, but it sounds pretty fun and could end up being a really neat thing. I guess we'll see. Uh, But that's enough of my dumb voice. You heard it plenty this episode. You're going to hear it more for the commercials. I apologize. Love you all so much. But let's get back to that climax. We know it's hard getting older, especially when you're over 4,000 years old. Just because we're latched together by the strands of timeless eldritch magic doesn't mean we liches don't need a little help making it through the day. Tell me if these ailments sound familiar. Back pain, stiffness, insomnia, hip maggots, jaw rot, resting lich face, misplaced limb, irritable soul syndrome. Clerics, socket funk, catacomorax, vecnal conjunctivitis, tome spurs, finger loss, staph infection. Sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like it's time to reach for a lich's best friend and start your morning with a dose of phylactaid. Put a little kaboom back in your tomb with new extra strength phylactaid. And that brings us to Artyom's turn. All right. Well, I am not excited about all these fun little chaps. So the first thing I'm going to going to go ahead and do is I'm actually going to drop my spiritual weapon mm-hmm. between them and then one step away. Between Project Beta and the Warcaster guy? Yes. So just next to Christ. And then 
I'm just going to go ahead and have it kind of explode with a uh, channel divinity. Mm. And I'm going to do a uh, Radiance of Dawn from where I'm standing. Okay. It right. looks like you can, I'm just figuring out how many of the uh, duo drones you hit. It looks like two of them. Yeah, so you can hit two of the duo drones, the project, and both of these constructs. In that case, can I actually move first? Yeah, of yeah. course. I'm just going to go ahead and move like a couple of uh, squares towards the duo drones. Then you can hit all three of them, the two constructs and the big boy. Excellent. Then I'm going to do exactly that. And what kind of saving throw is this? Con. Con saving throw. All right. Well, this doesn't count as a spell, so they don't have their advantage against it. Huzzah! Okay. Well, the first two duo drones roll 1920 on the dice. Because, of course, the stuff they do good at is pretty inconsequential. And a seven. So one of them fails big time. Okay. Uh, the two construct soldiers, the one next to the lava, takes or rolls a 20 on the dice. Nice. Nice. The other one rolls a 17 on the dice. We're, we're use, at least we're using up their good rolls. Yeah, Jesus right. Christ. Better and that than crits. Then whatever project beta is, what's your con bonus? All right. Okay. Probably high. Rolls an 11. Hey. I was going to say, it's a big fuck off monster. I imagine it Christ. has a high con. Even without that, like it just rolled ass. So nice. yeah. So so just one duo drone and the Project Beta take full damage. Full yeah. damage, correct. Okay. So let's give it to him. That is oh fuck. That is thirteen plus my cleric level. So that is a nineteen damage on that. Ooh, nice. <laughs> What'd you use your Radiance of Dawn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love Radiance of Dawn. <laughs> it is very good. And full damage to Project Beta, and. The duo drones have more hit points than the mod drones, but they both look incredibly injured. Uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to hit the already injured uh, chief or if I want to go ahead and hit the Project Beta. Is the mod drone next to me in range of his radiance too? Actually, it is. Sorry. That's good call. Yeah. (laughs) Good catch. It fails with a 12. Ooh. So instead of damage what's coming off of it, instead of like fire or heat, mm-hmm. what you're getting is literally a solar flare. Mm. So the uh, the chakram kind of like radiates and then it just kind of this pulse of electromagnetic radiation as it just comes out and... Sure. Yeah, so it's Ooh. just kind of like an EMP that knocks out its senses. And when it the light ends, its eye is just dim and black and its body just kind of collapses under its feet. And then the spiritual uh, weapon is going to come down on the already weakened dude with that same kind of like solar flare energy. Cool. Which is a critical fail. Oh, oh, we haven't seen one of those in a minute. I was excited for the critical, and then you added fail. <laughs> As the Madron next to me collapses, can it like start falling in the lava, and Haruthex kind of just grabs a hand and pushes it the other way, so it just misses? You just want to be a hero. Yes. Yeah, I don't want it to die. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so as it's starting to slip in, you just scoop it away with your tail. Yeah, before I just it kind of like knock it over the other direction. Like, no, no, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So nothing of consequence will affect your spiritual weapon from that fumble, but it does hit like just miss horribly. Thank the butts. <laughs> That's so good. The butts. Thank Bless. the great butts above yeah. mm-hmm. for not shitting down on us. <laughs> ah, the blessed booty. <laughs> Dropping a massive load right on me. Speaking of massive loads, it's Arvid's turn. <laughs> so my my dream for this turn is for Arvid to shout, Morty, tackle at uh, at the quad. The, the ones in front of you are duo drones. Duo drone. Yeah. Duo drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that moved forward just to get him back that five feet. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's what I want him to do. And then I would like to have Arvid take a step forward and um, just whack. Sure. So Morty is going to attempt an athletics check against this thing, and it's going to oppose. He will be on white. Uh, 
yeah, Morty does very good and the duo drone does very badly. And it just, <laughs> Morty's not super good at like pushing things away, but he just kind of trips it so it falls prone, grabbing its leg and pulling it out from under him. Okay, so Arvid, after asking Morty to uh, to get that boy forward and, and the lovely success that he, 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 he accomplished, mm-hmm. good dog, um, going to make a <clears throat> reckless attack uh, at the middle duo drone. You have advantage because he's prone. Eight, 18, right? 12 plus six, Oh, yeah. 18? Yep, yep, yep. And don't you have some kind of like cleave? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping oh, for. Oh, you clever Ooh. dog. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, I'll let you swap out that D6 with a D10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very generous of you, Law. I, I thought so. <laughs> well, it's a... That's <laughs> actually worse than the D6 was. <laughs> Um, Why do bad. I even try? <laughs> <laughs> so that's just three plus the um, the five? Six. But that is still enough after the Radiance of Dawn that fully hit that one to drop it, which means you get another attack on an adjacent Ooh. one. Ooh. Yeah. Can they all be reckless? Yes, of course. <laughs> Can I just be perpetually reckless? And that one was at least as high as the last one, 13 and 14 on the die. Another hit. Um, it's a little better at... 10 plus 6, 16? 16. Okay, and then can I cleave through the third one too? Or is it just once? It's not technically just once. It's as long as you keep dropping them. Let me do some math real quick though, because this one only took half damage. Mm. Yeah, that's enough to drop it. So (laughs) you get another swing. Yay! Fucking lord. They tried to push me into the fucking... That's an 18 plus the (laughs) 6. Wow. (laughs) I told you it was a good feat. That's a damn good feat. And that one That's is... That's a lot. Uh, yeah, 9, 10, 11, 12, 18 damage. So Jeez. Arvid grips parody with both hands and just goes red with rage for a moment. And there's a flash as it seems to strike through all three of them at the same time. And things are quiet for a moment before there's three popping explosions and each of them just tips over on its side, splitting in twain. Um, yeah, don't push me around. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> You are pretty close to the edge. <laughs> uh, well, I'm about oh to break. <laughs> oh, oh, my soul. <laughs> that was good. That was so fucking good. That's got to stay in. <laughs> I'm going to hate hearing that again. <laughs> Speaking of bad puns, it's Herothax's turn. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a big, bad, uh, scorchy death boy. Mm-hmm. Over there. Greatest superhero name ever. Big Bad Scorchy Scorch- Death Boy. Scorchy Death Boy. Scorchy Death Boy. <laughs> that sounds more like a, a villain than a hero. It's a slicey yes. dune bug. Yeah. <laughs> a slicey dune bug. That works. Uh, I'm going to use an action to activate my um, my hand lobby thingy. Mm. and uh, Technical re- term. Yeah. Uh, and regenerate a spell slot as though it was a rod of the Pact Keeper. All right. Uh, once per long rest, I can do that to recover a spell slot. So mm-hmm. I take that as my action. All right. And you feel this just like cold primordial energy coursing through your arm and your heartbeat starts to race extremely fast. And it seems like it's like breathing the life into a fire that was gone before, but inside of your body. It's very unnerving. You've never actually experienced this yet. Yeah. No, that's the first time I've done that. And then I'm going to go ahead and move over here behind Morty and okay. get closer to the rest of the party. Cool. That will bring us to Chris. Hmm. Artyom, do we need to get out of here? Uh, I don't, but you probably do. 
Mm, I I would actually just like to stand my ground mm-hmm. and ready a thunder step, probably after my HP goes to one. That's a little specific. That's, um, that's that, too you specific. don't have really control of that. Like if you go to zero, then do we count it? Or you could say until you got like hit, but like specifying specific hit points, that's bringing a mechanic in where like you're aware of how much life you have left. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't sure how specific. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to wait until I feel like dangerously low. Okay. Okay. That's fine with me. There we go. Uh, so I will start with the, oh wait, I need to knock these over. Cause I was like, I'm going to make the duo drones finally do something. No, they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or deactivated they're to be nice. Deactivated in half. Um, you deactivated them in <laughs> the one next to you is going to attempt to hit you with his blade arm thingy. Okay. Oh, sorry. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to react? Use a reaction when I'm readying something? You're turning your held action into a reaction. Okay. So you can use shield, but it'll remove the held action that you had planned. Okay. All right. I'm coming at you with a 23. Mm. Uh, I think I'm going to use my wasp of luck. Okay. I'm not. Yeah. That is well within your power. That is a nine. Yeah. <laughs> Very worth it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the guy in the back is going to make a shot at Arvid after seeing him just take out three duo drones with one massive sweep. <laughs> As he reloads, another middle finger pops out and he... Nice uh, threat, Jenny, there. <laughs> That's good. Uh, 19 to hit. Uh, yeah, that does it. Uh, 18 halved to nine because you're raging. That's a lot. Glad it was halved. It, that is helpful. And now, uh, Project Beta, it has a speed of 40 feet, Mm, um, and it's going to provoke two attacks of opportunity from Crist and Artyom, but here's what it's going to do. So it's going to use an ability called Bladed Onslaught, uh, where every creature within five feet of the path it takes is going to make a dexterity saving throw, including the one where it's ending, which is going to be Arvid. So that is Crist, Artyom, and Arvid. First, I'll let you two make any attacks of opportunity that you want to. Okay. Coolness. Um, Dungeon Master, is it every creature or every hostile creature? Every creature. creature. So does that include his ally Mm -hmm. that's in front of Yeah, boy. All right. That's a 15 plus six. Nice. That is a 17. These are for your attacks for opportunity? Yeah. Yes. All right. Those, uh, let me double check to make sure they both hit. 18. 18 is the AC. All right. So I definitely hit it. And I do 1d6 plus four. So eight. Nice. I assume I don't add my poison damage because they're constructs. Yeah, yeah. I figured. Wise. <laughs> One plus so, four, though. So, you know. <laughs> Got him. Five damage. Listed. I apologize if this is metagaming, but if I choose to just take whatever damage she does, mm-hmm. I, can, I can then thunderstep. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so you just fail the save. I'm going to fail the save and use my origin feature. And well, we'll we'll see if it deals you enough damage. Okay. All right, it probably will, but we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, probably will. So we'll start with our deck saves. We're going to get one from Arvid, Christ, and Artyom, and the warrior next to him where he started. Warrior rolls great. Oh, okay. So I probably <laughs> okay. And an Arvid, and yes, you have advantage. You did. You remembered. <laughs> I like literally looked at it at the beginning of the game and it's like, I'm going to remember that I have advantage on deck saves. Nice job. I'm proud of you. Excellent. Does a 17 pick tickle your nipples? Well, it works. (laughs) Okay. Gets the job done. Um, Mine was better than 17. It was like Wow. Wait, no. No, it wasn't. It was 16. 16? All right. Well, that still makes it, um, which is good because half damage is still going to be a a chunk. This thing deals a lot with its visceral onslaught. Goody. (laughs) 
Uh, so even though you guys all made the save, you take 18 points of slashing damage. Yes! All right, which definitely triggers off my origin feature, and it does extra damage because I was reverberating. Cool. Let me pull. I just pulled it out too, because I knew it was probably going to come up. You seemed real hungry for it. Today. <laughs> yes. I just, just yes. gotta let this happen. And when I thunderstep away, I'm going to also use the ring for just the little two-point damage boost. When you feel yourself drop and die. Suddenly, everything goes very black, and you all see Crist cut right down the middle, entrails split open, and suddenly there's a flash of light as shards of crystal lock up like a zipper, pulling his body back together and piercing through each other, and every corner of his skin, every elbow, every shoulder, his forehead, huge, long gouts of crystal shoot out, spires in every direction. They crackle with this thunderous energy like some kind of giant conductor. And everything around them becomes blasted by these shards of light. Christ! Christ? <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and see this damage. It, oh, you don't have to roll anything. It's just it fucking deals damage. It just, it, just, yeah. it just fucks him in half. Your charisma mod is four, right? Yes, it's four. And my sorcerer level is six. So 16 thunder damage to all the things. Because I'm doing double because you're reverberating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is a 14-point damage uh, symbiotic regeneration. Mm. And when Chris's body seems to shatter into a thousand crystalline pieces, they reappear somewhere else in the room. Which which would be in, like, the doorway. That was my plan. And with that, I do the thunderstep damage to both of them. Of course. And that is, what, 2d8? Uh, Sorry, that I'm... is 3d10 on a failed constitution. <laughs> okay. So they both rolled actually very good, but go, roll me that sweet damage. That is a, that's a nine and then an eight. Nice. Wow. And then a seven. <laughs> and 24. All right. 24. Um, so <laughs> that's still a huge chunk. And that is enough to basically pin this construct soldier to the wall with these shards of ice, which then explode as you disappear. And his body is now pinned to the wall and his eyes go dim. The eviscerator takes a huge amount of damage. One of the blades just gets destroyed, uh, but it seems to be still pressing onward. So that was a whole lot of stuff all at once. <laughs> and that makes it the enemy's turn. Oh, no, that's still the enemy's turn. That was a reaction to the enemy's turn. So at the end of the enemy's turn, um, Chris, from behind you, you hear a heavy thud hit the ground. And this voice that sounds again like stone and metal grinding against each other says, Stop this madness. Stand down. And a very tall mechanical figure with a huge shield grafted onto their arm, um, big, massive metal shoulders and a very long neck that looks down at you, kind of crouches and enters the room and he drops to the ground the chest that resembles the resting form of Reginald 419. I was kind of hoping we'd get to kill these fucking things. <laughs> we might still be able to do that. Project Beta, stand down. And the blades just go... It kind of looks like it's deactivated. What in the hells are you doing? Who are you? We're here to collect what we are owed. Possessions I, that do not belong to you. I owe the living nothing. Then who and what do you owe? I owe the freedom to the slave constructs of the city. And to do that, you would kidnap our friends? This is one of my people. No, he's one of our people. And you did not give him a choice. What is freedom without choices, then? I will remove the inhibitions the humans have put in him and let him make his own choice. I will respect that. That is what I have done with all of my allies, save for these ones. He says, pointing to the uh, duo drones and the ma drones. 
You ripped your allies apart? Explain what happened in that room. When I was first freed, I had to rip myself apart to find my freedom. I am Bastion, the first project for the sentient life forms from Andmar. We were used as slaves, laboring every day, and though we do not grow tired, we still feel. We have emotions. No longer could I watch my brethren suffer as mindless slaves to the humans, and I began the Unborn Forge, the freedom fighters that will liberate them. These strange extraplanar creatures seem to function differently than us, and I wish nothing more to do with them. They are driven by purpose. You take away their purpose, they have nothing left. This is why they go dead. They have returned to their home. These are just empty shells I use as weapons. Their spirits are free. If that is the case, then I can see no reason why we should continue to fight. I agree. I do not wish for the eyes of the humans to be upon us. Then you must give us what we came for. Which is? The possessions that you took from the League of Ultimate Questing. Hmm. He looks down at the Ma drones and looks back to the room he came from. If these particular items are returned to you, then perhaps you saw nothing here today. Artyom. We may still need to give the League ahead something to blame. What do we All say? they want is their things back and for this not to have embarrassed them. This will mean a loss, though. Unless we can find a way to pin it on the giant scarecrow outside. We are to leave Andmar. We will no longer steal from the people of the city, but only if we maintain our freedom and can escape from this place. If you can leave the, the broken wreckage of what is left including the thing we destroyed upstairs, then we can make this work. That was a mindless weapon. But that, he says, pointing to the wall, is my brother. Can you fix him? I can fix anything. The room in there, full of parts? If we play that this monster upstairs was simply harvesting and it had a broken motivation, he was looking to harvest things that were not what it was assigned to harvest, a.k.a. machinery, mm-hmm. This sounds like an easy play. I like this plan. I don't know that anyone will believe that they built this chamber, but perhaps we could claim it has been here. Take what you can out to the chamber will not remain. Our burrowing weapon is complete, and our exit tunnel is intact. This place will come down. I'm sorry, there is a lot of emotion going through us right now, and this is a lot to process, but as far as I am concerned, I don't know about the rest of you, but I support your decisions. I do not support how you go about them, and I do not support you hurting other living beings for it, but I understand. If it matters, we have not killed any humans that did not enter our base. Well, I can't see anything wrong with that. Man, this is, this is very cut and dry. <laughs> I have no problem with the strong fighting for their own freedom against their oppressors. I guess the big question now is whether we're comfortable with lying. Yep, check. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and he points down at the chest form of Reginald and said, This one is deactivated, but fine. He will not have recorded any of this. What about the other monitors? They have returned to their home plane and been turned into weapons for my army. They're just objects. Wait. We need to recover these. We are okay to recover these? Now that they are broken, as long as me and my brothers can leave and continue our freedom fight. If you want to avoid drawing the eye, you must stay away from League of Ultimate Questing technology. Hmm. I agree to your terms. Good. Oh, that definitely makes things easier for us. 
Unless they come for me and my brothers. Then it is the spoils of war. That is fair. We will leave, and this place will come to the ground. You have an hour to remove the things you wish from within. Oh, wait, how do we work the elevator? (laughs) 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 He points down at Reginald and says, This one has the gifts to do so. Okay, that's going to be really necessary. (laughs) Okay. And he uh, shoulders the corpse of his fallen Warforged brother, and the other one kind of limps up to him, holding his arm in place. He says, I will never trust the living, but... I can respect the choices made here today. Do not forget the name the Unborn Forge, for our numbers will grow, and we will become citizens of this land. And I just want to say, Bastion, I'm sorry for what I did to your brother. Hmm. I did not know. The rules of engagement. And he turns and enters this carved-out stone and dirt tunnel that seems to have just been completely cleared out for miles and miles. They leave and the door slams behind them. And when it hits, you see Reginald just kind of like unfurl on himself. He says, what happened? That was really weird. (laughs) Are you okay? I was hit with some kind of magnetic force and it made my brain feel like it was made of cotton candy. (laughs) And then things went fuzzy and I saw the end of the fight, but it was all chaos and sparks and bright light. Not a very good signal. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. We just want you to be okay. I feel a little bit different. How so? My axiomatic core is functioning, but I feel like there was some kind of constraint that was not, that is not here now, that was before. I bet you can cuss now. I feel like if I wanted to go away, I could. We're not going to keep you here if you don't want to be here. If it's all right with you. It pleases me very greatly to continue with my objective to present the mortal dawn to the masses. I like this. Yes. You're always welcome. Wait, Reginald, are you allowed to break rules now? I choose not to, but I could if I wanted to. (laughs) He's still lawful. (laughs) You saved me. Thank you very much. I am in your debt. No need to thank us or be on our debt. Your family. Hmm. This is an illogical concept that I will do my best to calculate. We told you we would protect you. We hold our word. And uh, the Mortal Dawn gathers as many of the LUQ parts as they can and bring them onto the elevator, which Reginald can very easily activate with some sort of inner magnet. And it slides you back up. And as we see the Mortal Dawn leaving, arms full, Arvid just bared down with a bunch of metal equipment, with more metal equipment on top of it. You walk out into the farmland, and you see the city at night. You look up, and it has started to snow. For we have entered... The season of the winter moon. Well, folks, it's been another wild day of adventures here at the LUQ. Top teams performing as only the best in the business can, and new potential teams training and making preparations for next year's grand proving. Not to mention the LUQ Invitational Award Show is on the horizon. I've been watching tactical battles and insightful strategies play on front of me all day. These kids are living the life of action and danger while raking in fame and coin. I don't know if I'm having an orc life crisis or I'm just out of room for nostalgia. But I've got something to say, Kip. Something that's been coming for quite some time. Storm, what are you doing? This isn't in our list of talking points. We're on a schedule. We have to wrap up the show. That's exactly the kind of talk that makes me have to lay this down on you. Kip, 
I'm leaving. I got a fat backlog of holidays and PTO, and I'm just getting off this hovering clown car at the next stop. And I'm taking some time to myself. Storm, let's talk about this. No need. I made up my mind. My fire's still burning bright enough that I don't have to spend my downhill years leaving aspirants on a chair. Storm, don't, don't do this. Yep, it's been real. I'll see you when I see you. You're a good guy, and a weird little bastard, but a good pal. You take care now. Storm! I... Well, folks, you've seen it here. Um, we're... We're... Uh, join us... I mean, join me next time on the League of Ultimate Questing. Storm! next adventure I run will be Christmas themed because that will be coming out in December. <laughs> I'm so excited. Wow. <laughs> Everything was amazing. Oh, so I have to improvise the outro. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, no, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. Take your time. That's so good. Thank you everybody for listening to the League of Ultimate Questing. I would like to go around the table and introduce all of our fantastic crew. Hey, my name's Sam, and I play Arvid. Hey, my name is Michael, and if I make a second character, it's going to be one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Alante, and I play Chris Grand. Hi, I'm Zach. I play Artyom Volkov. I am also the editor and uh, technical director, and I also want to thank Tori Christensen, our most common editor. Notorious! <laughs> <laughs> and my name's Law. I'm the dungeon master of the League of Ultimate Questing and the creative director for Slapdash Studios. We release new episodes every single Monday where all major podcasts are available. There's bonus content posted to social media every Friday. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Slap the Dash or Facebook at Slapdash Studios. Uh, you can join our Patreon by visiting the website and getting links to it, slapdashstudios.com. And if you become a member, you get access to bonus content like the Harithax one-shot, a bunch of magic items that we use in the game, maps of the things we've done here, uh, character sheets, and even more bonus content like D21 Side, which is the bonus content for me and Zach's other show, D20 Questions, where we interview gaming moguls, get our drink on, get all nerdy. It's weirdly informative for how strange it is. Or sometimes we just kind of goof off with the two of us. Either way, it's a good time and worth your contribution. And contributions like yours completely make this podcast possible. It helps us with our web hosting. It helps us with our equipment. It helps us with our motivation. And please, please, if you have any friends you haven't told about yet who like D&D or podcasts or comedy or sports, we cross, we check a lot of boxes here. <laughs> please just give them, give them the name League of Ultimate Questing. Let them give us a shot. We would love it a lot. Our numbers could go up a little bit for us to continue doing this even more professionally. That would be our dream for sure. Thank you all for listening. See you next Monday, and we wish you luck.